Extraordinary stories from across Scottish football communities. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. I'm your host, Callum Woodger. And I'm Jake Gray. Things are starting to hot up now as the SPFL Trust Trophy is whittled down to 32 teams. And just to remind you of the format a little, each round of the competition, we're going to bring you some of the best stories from Scottish football communities. We'll also chat about the latest trophy games and bring you powerful stories, including how footballer Kerr Waddle uses his own experience to deliver mental health programmes that make a difference. We'll also hear from Eddie Martin from the Pars Foundation, who'll tell us more about their mental health initiatives. And on the pitch, we'll hear from Dunfermline's Matty Todd and more from Montrose centre-half Kerr Waddle, ahead of their third round ties. But first, let's start by hearing a little bit about the important work Kerr and the rest of the staff at Montrose have been delivering. Firstly, I thought I was just doing it to try and get them to open up, but... I think I was doing it for like for myself as well and speaking to them. Being the project officer, I think it has helped me delivering the programme. I've said that quite a lot to the participants that done it. Like, obviously, we hope we've helped you, but you have actually they helped me as well. Like, just even opening up a wee bit more every week, telling them a wee bit more. So the changing room that we deliver in partnership with the SPFL Trust and Sam H kindly funded by Movember, is a wonderful project. So we're working in partnership with agencies such as our GP, such as our social prescribers, but we're also reaching out to our fan base in the wider community to convince them to attend our programme at this somewhat alternative, unique environment to open up about their mental health. It's not just about football, obviously. We use football as a way to bring people in, to get them to talk in the first place, but it's more, like obviously, about your mental health, stuff like that. We're just trying that's used as a factor to try and get men to try and speak out a wee bit. It is daunting like to do it to start with, but once you do it, it's a big weight lifted off your shoulders and there is people there to help you. I really struggled mentally when I was full-time. Me speaking to the participants, it just helps, as in, because I'm a footballer, and I know some of them look at footballers as quite like a, like a role model as such, and I think it's quite good for them to see that MD can have them like them problems, them mental problems. That's the main thing we want people to realise. It's a good thing to open up. It's not a bad thing. Some of the changes we've seen in the people in the 12-week programme has been, honestly, it's been unbelievable. Like, from the first week when they come in, second week, and then all the way through, like, they've been telling us their family, they've noticed a massive difference in them. The main thing we feel as well is they notice a massive difference in themselves, which is good. There we go, the star of the show there. Uh, Kerr Waddle has joined us um, to chat a bit more about that. Kerr, how do you like the sound of that, mate? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I had to take one <laughs> earphone out. I hate listening to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good, though. It was good. Uh, it's, um, it's always a, a jarring experience hearing this, <laughs> yourself on video or audio. You think you'd be used to it by now being a professional footballer, no? <laughs> Never get used to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, I think, you know, um, speaking on behalf of, of myself and Jake here, I think you spoke yep. really well about um, the subject matter and it's it's a prominent one in society in general, but football as well, fans, players, everyone involved at football clubs is obviously affected by um, their mental health. But I know you've spoken about it in the film there, but could you maybe tell us a little bit more about how you first got involved in being the project officer at Montrose and helping to deliver the changing room? So I've been project officer at Montrose, I think it's about three years now. And ever since I've started, actually, we've always wanted to do a, a mental health programme, but we've just we've just struggled to like think of ideas, stuff like that. Like, it's always a thing we want to try and help. But 
And obviously we got the funding to do it. And so me and Logan, my with the project manager, we both went down and done the training for it. And we both absolutely, as soon as we got there, went through the course, we absolutely loved it. We couldn't just wait to deliver it. Um, so we've only done one cohort of it, one 12-week um, programme up to now, but we absolutely loved it and can't wait to do another one. I think we've got one start, well, we do have one start at the end of this month. So we're really looking forward to get that one started as well. Kerry, you mentioned that you've already delivered one one cohort of it. I'm sure it's had a massive impact on, on everybody that was involved, but I don't know if you could perhaps tell us maybe an example of, of someone that's that's really benefited from it. Yeah, so obviously I won't use uh, I won't use any names, but we had a we had a man come in, he'd been off his work, said that his wife's noticed wife's told him to go and basically do something about his mental health because he's been really down. He's had mm-hmm. to come off his work. And I think it maybe would have been I'm gonna say I'm not don't quote him on it, the seventh or eighth week. He was back at his work, he was telling us his wife's noticing there's a massive difference in him. I'm not saying obviously it was just the programme that's doing that. He's obviously helped himself as well. That's yeah. one of the main things. But he personally said that the programme to him has made a massive difference and it was a big turning point in his life, obviously getting back to work, people noticing him being happy again. So that was really uh that was really pleasing for me and Logan when we heard that and seen him happy as well. Yeah, I must really vindicate the work that you do, that you see that outcome and you see a guy who you may be seeing him at the start and you're you're, you're trying to think, how can we help this guy? And then at the end, you actually find out that, you know, this has really made a difference to this guy's this guy's life and, you know, really really grateful for it. It must give you a real nice feeling when you, you do something like that. It does. It makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Um, we just want to, obviously, the aim of the programme is to help people, but seeing it actually, you've seen it for yourself is just it's brilliant. It makes us just want to do it more and more. Yeah, and obviously we're we're joined here by by Eddie Martin from um, Dunfermline and the Pass Foundation, who's also just undergone training, just finished training actually to deliver um, the changing room, which is the SPFL Trust flagship mental health program um, in Dunfermline. Eddie, how, how did you find the experience of of going on the training, and and how excited are you to actually trying to implement this in Dunfermline to to have a similar kind of impact that that Kerr's having now at, at Montrose? I found the training excellent. Um, it was something that I really enjoyed. The um, the the group interaction and the participation was really good. Um, the the knowledge and know-how behind the uh, the the changing room project was was excellent. Um, the facilitators were bang on. Um, I had a had a really good experience, and um, I'm really excited about delivering uh, the changing room project. Um, it's just a matter of getting some dates in the diary now and and getting it implemented and and rolling it out. And also, you know. You in your role at, at Pass Foundation and indeed with with the club already do a lot of great work surrounding mental health. This is just another string to your bow, of course. But could you talk us through some of the other programs that you that you deliver? Particularly interested in the, the walking and talking down the Halbeth Road because obviously that's a an iconic sort of uh, uh, thing in, in Dunfermline, isn't it? The Halbeth Road and, and amongst the fans. But this program is actually really helping fans and other people open up about their about their mental health. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's from a, a famous chant from the from the old terraces at East End Park, uh, walking down the Hillbeth Road. So this this is a it's, it's all about um, walking and talking. It's about getting people together. It's a walking group aimed at improving people's mental health through socialisation and staying active. The main aims of the group are to break the cycle of people feeling lonely and isolated. And it's important to to point out as well that although people may think that loneliness is just people by their own, it's not. Loneliness can be people who could have a full family network around them, a full support around them, and they could still feel the loneliest person 
on the planet. So that's something that um, that you have to have to realise as well. What we found is that gentle exercise can improve your mental health, and using outdoor uh, outdoor green spaces, woodlands and parks, that really really helps. Um, and when we connect with nature, it brings a sense of calm and joy and wonder to our daily lives. Walking can improve our mood, it can uh, improve our, our sleep quality as well, reduce stress and anxiety. Although the, the project specifically looks at loneliness and isolation, um, there's always an element of suicide prevention to it as well. Um, the good thing is we've got a wide range and a wide variety of people that come along. It's a very friendly, very welcoming group. Yeah. Um, we, we, we do have people who like to get out of the door, out of the house, uh, just to come along a walk, uh, maybe with their dog or, you know, just to get a blether, just to get, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, a sense of uh, friendship. And then we also have um, people who are at the other end of the, the, the mental health spectrum where they suffer from mental health illness. Um, but everyone comes together and um, it's, it's been a, a great success. It's um, been established since April um, 2021. And it just seems to be going from strength to strength. We've had um, some really good impacts and some really good outcomes from this already. So, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's really great to hear. And, you know, you must be really pleased that you're having such a such a positive impact in, in the community. Um, you also have the uh, Keep Kicking On programme, and that's aimed at 16 to 25-year-old males are known to, to struggle with their mental health. So it's another really important programme that, that you run. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is a project that uh, runs every Monday evening between 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock down at Petrivi at the uh, sports centre in the town. Um, So we invite young males aged between 65 to 20, um, 16 to 25 to come along and play football in a relaxed atmosphere and it tackles the stigmas associated with mental health. We started it off with listening to the feedback we were getting from uh, our own fan base and also the local community. Uh, And they were looking for the um, peer support from people round about their own age, rather than maybe going to somewhere different, whereas they would be sitting around a table and um, maybe listening to other people who could be ages with their dad. They wanted yeah. something for for their own um, for their for their own peer support. Um, we play football um, regularly, uh, roughly for about an hour, uh, and then we can usually have a chat regarding mental health. Um, and we've already had some positive outcomes from this. Um, and, you know, um, there, there has been um, interventions that, that have happened that have been positive. Um, so it's, 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 been, it's been a great success, and that falls and ties in nicely with the, uh, the Changing Room project as well that we're hoping to, to start off very soon. Yeah, just to bring your, yourself back in again, Kerr, Eddie mentions the, the 16 to 25 year old males being, um, you know, a, a target with, with their programme. Um, do Montrose do something similar in terms of looking at particularly vulnerable age groups or is it just a case of mental health doesn't discriminate and we've got to try and catch everyone? No, we um, we don't have any um, programmes for that age, but we've contacted the uh, SPFL Trust, the funders and that, and we've actually got a few younger people coming on this one. This cohort we're away to do, because obviously just because they don't match the age range that it's supposed to be doesn't mean obviously they don't need help or deserve help. So we're getting them involved in this one, and we're also looking to start a a few new programmes for age-specific, because, you know, some people don't maybe like coming with, say, older people or they want to be with people their own age, so we're trying to cater for everyone. And it is a, cru- a crucial age, you know, Kerr, you know, you're just about still falling that age bracket yourself, but I mean, you've you've been um, quite open in the past about your own um, kind of battles with mental health and 
Um, it is difficult, particularly for young men, to, to try and open up in, in certain environments. And, and football as well, an all-male environment generally when you're going to watch men's football in the crowd on the pitch as well. And um, it's about sort of breaking some of that stigma, isn't it, with these programmes? Yeah, that's the that's the main thing. I know every, you, you hear it all the time, like, don't be afraid to talk and stuff, but it is the hardest thing to do. Like, take that first step. We always say that even the first step of coming to something like the changing room is always the hardest thing to do, like sending the email to sign up or taking the first step through the door. It's always the hardest thing to do. And I personally think that younger people find that even harder. Maybe they feel slightly embarrassed. And there's nothing to be embarrassed by. Um, But I think maybe they just feel a wee bit embarrassed or they don't want to be judged, which um, I don't think nowadays they would be judged anyway. Well, not in my experience. I wasn't judged um, sure a lot of people would tell you they weren't but it's the hardest thing to do especially when you're that age as well it seems near impossible to do it but it's important to do just speak out and care you've also you know through through delivering the changing room it's, it's helped you as well hasn't it yeah absolutely um when <laughs> when we started delivering it we got i was gonna say two three weeks in and we said to each other me and logan who i deliver it with we were saying it's actually making a massive difference to us as well because obviously we are trying to encourage the participants to speak out and that is daunting, as I just said. It's a daunting um, part to speak out, especially if you're not comfortable speaking out in front of people. So we tried to kind of do it ourselves to start with and give them a wee starter. So we started speaking out and then every week we spoke a wee bit more to them um, and then we realised it's actually helping us as well. It was a great programme for us. Yeah, no, when you know um, we came up to, to to film you for for the, the 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 film that goes with this podcast, you know, we had you in the United to Prevent Suicide um, talk T-shirt, and it's campaigns like that. I think you see football is is opening up a little bit more to these conversations. It is becoming more of the norm, and and that is the real simple message, isn't it? Just to I don't know about yourself, Jake, but just to talk between us at the moment as well. Like yep. as as a young guy yourself in that target age group, you know, opening up and talking. Although it's easy said, sometimes it isn't easy done and it is good to have these campaigns to help people find the tools to do it or to encourage them to try and um, find a good way to do it that's going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing that, you know, these kind of programmes are, are available, you know, the ones that are being run by both Care and Eddie at Montrose and Dunfermline, it's really good to know that these things are, are ongoing and that support is available for for young males, you know, and obviously I fall into that bracket, so it's really like I say, really good to know that uh, support's available and that these conversations can be had in a safe space. And it's good that it's good to hear that you know young males at, at Dunfermline, like like Eddie said, have, have really benefited from from programs and that there's been um, positive intervention. So yeah, it's really great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And then Eddie, I'm interested in your role at, at Dunfermline as well, sort of a dual role between working with the Pass Foundation, but also. The first team to work with some of the younger players and in, in, as a sort of mental health ambassador and indeed anyone at the club who's, who's who's maybe struggling a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit more about that side of your job? Yes, absolutely. Um, so since um, 2016, I've um, been involved or associated with the football club regarding uh, mental health and mental health and sport. 
And it wasn't until um, 2019 I was appointed the mental health ambassador by the football club. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we had a, a, a great chairman and, and directors like uh, Ross MacArthur and, and Drew Main who saw that there was um, there was something there and something needed. There was a deficiency there that you know there had to be a gap that had to be filled. I, I was appointed there, and the uh, the role was um, to promote good mental health and well-being um, within the football club for all staff and for all uh, members of the football club as well. Um, also the, the fan base and the, the wider uh, West Fife community. So um, I, I started off by doing some mental health awareness training. We had the under-20s team at that time uh, and that went that went really well. It was great. Some of the, the first team players are now were under-20s at that time. So that was, uh, that was a few years ago uh, and it, it had a really positive impact. So from then, we did our own um, mental health awareness training for the fan base and local community. Um, we did um, three different training uh, sessions. Um, the first two was about um, what is mental health and introduction to mental health. The second one was all about um, alcohol and drugs. From then we went on to anxiety and depression and the third and final one was about suicide and recovery. So from that um, we took it forward and asked for volunteers to come forward and were able to put on a a course to become a mental health first aider through um, the Scottish Mental Health First Aid uh, programme, which is run by um, Public Health Scotland. So that that, that was great, and we, we had a had a had a really good response. Um, volunteers came forward and they got their accreditation, which was really good. The um, the other thing about that is we, we kind of got hit with COVID, so we had to take a, a scale back a bit. Um, you can understand the, the difference um, of the, the red zones and everything that made within the football stadium. So we couldn't really get the access, but we did uh, some online activities and also went into some partnerships um, with the Samaritans. Um, we, we had them promoting football games, um, had the players wearing their t-shirts in the warm-up. We've got a really good um, working partnership with the Samaritans. It's, it's going yeah. really well. Yeah. We're also reaching out to other um, partners and charities such as Andy's Man's Club and Back On Side who uh, pro- promote and provide um, support through sport, which is which is really good. It's, it's great. Um, what I'm doing now, um, I'm, I'm doing all my different activities with the Pars Foundation, but uh, I'm, I'm working with um, Greg Shields in the uh, in the academy and we've recently had about four or five six players who have now got full-time contracts mm-hmm. so i'm working with them yeah. and what we're doing with them is um working on providing support to show how they can improve their confidence you know um improve their, their self-esteem uh, and their resilience as well so i've um, been working with them and just to point on the cares uh, what care was talking about there one of the things that we find at Dunfermline that is really, really key is education and making sure that, the, you know, one of, the, one of the stigmas has to be removed from the football club and, you know, keep that keep that going um, and making it so it is an open place that um, mental health can get, get spoken about. And every time we're just about ready to, to, to broach into the first team, COVID came along and then other things happened. So uh, I'm hopeful. That, um, that in the future we'll be able to, to make that and make it a really good uh, environment um, that players will want to come and play for Dunfermline Athletic at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And you spoke a bit about, um, you know, being there for the younger players. You've got the likes of young Andy Todd coming through at the minute. And how important is it that they have that support to to transition from kind of academy football and into a first-team environment? I think it's, it's it's really important. Um, and Andy's a, Andy's a great guy. Um, and so 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 other boys that that that, um, that I'm working with as well. With every one of them are, are great. And it, it's brilliant because that they're actually going through a major life transition just now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can imagine that um, they're coming through the academy and this is their first full time job. 
uh, and there's a lot of expectations on them. Um, and it's all about um, working with them and uh, providing that support, but more importantly, um, building a bridge of trust with them so they know that they can come to me and speak to me whenever they want. Um, you know, there's there's no problem that way. And to be fair, um, the work that, that Greg Shields has been doing with them is fantastic, but also the new management, uh, management that's in place with James McPake and um, uh, assistant Dave Mackay, the backroom team, they're, they're, they've been they've been brilliant. Access I get to the players is is, uh, is phenomenal, and it can only be a positive. And um, I'm, I'm sure the the young players will be be reaping benefits from that. I take it these kind of programs, care when you, you hear about them, the one that Dunfermline are doing, and obviously the changing room as well. Something that you wish was 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 there when you were breaking through as a youngster at sixteen, seventeen. Absolutely, I would think um, we had um, somebody we could speak to, but it wasn't anything like as big as that. I think the person came in once every, I think it's maybe three weeks or something. So it wasn't a program as such. But I know myself, I would have benefited from that, and I know a lot of boys that I played with as well. I still keep in contact with with the benefits from that massively as well. Just as you said, I wish we did have stuff like that when I was coming through. It wasn't even that long I was coming through either, so it shows yeah. how far we've come in the space of like six, seven years. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're going to be going you know, later in the show, speaking to, to, to Matty Todd at, at Dunfermline, a player who has came through a lot bit later in, in yeah. the kind of more recent generation who's who's experienced that. Um but yeah, I thank you very much, um, Eddie and and Care for for joining us for that. Really um, insightful, and um, yeah, all, all the best in implementing the changing room, Eddie. You got to keep us posted on that, and and Care, I keep up keep up the good work. It sounds like it's having a, a brilliant impact at Montrose. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. It was great to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Okay, cheers for the time. Coming up next, we have some football chat where Care will be staying with us, and we'll be joined by Dunfermline midfielder Matty Todd. But first, it's time for the Halftime Highlights, a run-through of some football-powered stories from across the country. At St Johnston, Saints in the community have partnered with Team United to launch their autism football group for players aged between 10 and 16. The Autism Football Association runs Team United, delivering a range of activities and services to young people with autism. In Greenock, Morton recently welcomed their first family to Cappy's Corner, a place for fans who would benefit from a more relaxed environment to watch the game. The space, which is situated in the main stand at Capelo, includes sensory equipment and a calming environment for families to watch the game. Just along the road in Paisley, over 50 schools in Renfrewshire have been given St Mirren season tickets to hand out to pupils. Each of the schools has been given four season tickets for the Tony Fitzpatrick family stand at the Smyzer Stadium. Elsewhere, Europe's leading healthy lifestyle programme, Football Fans in Training, has launched at football clubs around the country this month. The 13-week programme gives you all the tools you need to get fitter, healthier and happier. Get fit for free at your local football stadium. Visit the SPFL Trust website for more information. In more SPFL Trust news, we have recently launched our latest Cashback Off The Bench annual report, a programme that helps young people find their next positive step. 100% of participants were able to identify new skills, increase their overall well-being and secure a positive destination after completing the programme. Lastly, kick off your career is back. Develop your skills and gain qualifications at Dundee United, Rafe Rovers, Aberdeen FC and Montrose Community Trusts. For more information, contact your local job centre plus. Now on to the football and Callum Kerr and I are joined by Dunfell midfielder Matty Todd. But before we get started, here's a wee run-through of the third round fixtures we have coming up very soon. Some crackers in there. Alloa Athletic take on Airdrionians. Falkirk v Partick Thistle, a really good one there. New Saints take on Dundee. They're coming down to Shropshire to play the Welsh side. Bucky Thistle welcome Linfield, a big trip for them across the Irish Sea up to the Highlands. 
Clyde take on Carnarvon Town, the Welsh side coming over to play at New Douglas Park there. Peterhead against Elgin City, a sort of northeast derby for us. Cove Rangers take on Rafe Rovers. Dunfermline Athletic, one for Matty here, take on Celtic B. Our Brove play East Fife, Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, welcome Highland League Breaking City. Um, to the capital of the Highlands, Greenock Morton take on Air United. Montrose play Kilmarnock B, that's Kerr's team there. Uh, Queen of the South play FC Edinburgh and an athletic take on Kelty Hearts. Rangers B face Hamilton Academical and last but not least, Queen's Park take on Cliftonville in Northern Ireland. What a trip there for the Spiders. Now, let's get to it. We're joined by Kerr Waddle from Montrose and Matty Todd from uh, Dunfermline here to chat about the third round of the SPFL Trust Trophy. Um, the fixtures we're looking at primarily, of course, the Dunfermline game taking on Celtic B at East End Park and Montrose welcoming Kilmarnock B the Lynx Park, um, Matty, just your initial thoughts on that game. How much of a of a test is that going to be for you as going up against Celtic B? Uh, of course, it's going to be a test. They're, they're young lads looking to show what they what, what they can do at them at, at a level that's it's, it's good, obviously. But um, you know, we we've, we've got to go in there uh, as a, as a squad and, and just um, prepare right, and hopefully we'll win the game. Um, Celtic. It's, it's common and they're, they're a good side but um, we'll go we'll press right and uh, hopefully we can get through the next round How important is the, the competition for Dunfermline Matty in terms of something to, to aim for I know you've you're got your battles in League 1 um, doing well at the moment top of the league trying to, trying to get yourself promoted but how important is it to have a good run in this competition as, as well? Yeah of course you want to have a good cup run whether it be the, the Trust Trophy or the Scottish Cup or, or whatever um Cup it kind of in, but um, you know we want to have a good run, and it uh, all starts next Saturday against Celtic. So, you know, as I say, we'll prepare right, and um, hopefully we can get through it next round. And Matty, this competition, um, you know, might be a bit more of a target to maybe potentially go on and get to the final or win it, um, compared to the Scottish Cup or, or the League Cup, even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, we, we take it game by game um, at Dunfermline, so we focus much. Uh, on next Saturday against Celtic, um, you know, you said it there, we're, we're, um, we're looking, well, hoping to win it, and we'll definitely think that um, within us, and then, you know, we've just got to kick on again, and hopefully get through it in the next round. How do you see the competition at, at Montrose, Care is it, is it much the same to Matty, in terms of it's a, it's a really good opportunity to, to go deep into our competition, and maybe even and win something for the fans? Yeah, absolutely, as um, I think the last time, we won a bit of silverware, it was a few years ago, it was the league, but mm. apart from that, well, we're out one of the Cups already, so, and you're going to, being honest, the Scottish Cup is, if you're going to win that, you're doing awful well, so, I think if you're looking at winning something, obviously the league, but this is another another competition that you can look as a squad to like push on and win. And um, coming up against Kilmarnock B, obviously, in, in this round, um, how will you prepare for that, and, and how do you see that one going? Yeah, it's always tough when you play against the the B teams because I don't think they're not really like not too sure of their players and stuff because well, we don't play against them most weeks like we do teams in our league, so it's always yeah. difficult. There's always a few surprises with the players you're playing against and stuff. But we just like to go in and try and win every game. That's what we do at Montrose anyway, so I'm sure that'll be no different. It's, oh, it's quite an interesting competition with you know the likes of the B teams and you've got teams from Wales and. In Northern Ireland, is it is it something that the players look to you know during the season when, when these come out and think, oh, this is a competition I'd quite like to see us, you know, have, have a wee run in, you know, maybe get a wee a wee nice trip out to Belfast or something out of it now. Yeah, we were saying that the other week actually. Like, if you win that, then obviously, what half the teams 
if they win as well, then you've got a good chance of getting one of them. And hopefully, if you do get one of them, it's away from home. But you would even take one of them at home as well, because like you don't play against them teams all the time, do you? I'm sure one of them was in the was it the Europa League. Yeah, I think Linfield are doing quite well in Europe. I think they started out in like the Champions League, but have dropped yeah. down to like the Europa League now, aren't they? Or, yeah, or the Conference League, maybe. Yeah, and um, the New Saints were in in the Europa Conference League. I think last season or the season before as well, and uh, beat like Victoria, Victoria Pils and teams like that from Poland. So, they're good teams as well. Yeah, well, there you go. Like, if you're you want to like, play against the best teams you can, so if you get a get a chance to play against them, then it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and in terms of you know, these are both relatively young players. I say relatively because Kel's getting on a bit now. You know, he's, he's approaching his uh, <laughs> approaching his testimonial at, at Montreux, supposedly. But as as relatively young players, do you look at you know when you were younger, like the cup competitions like this, as maybe opportunities to go and get game time and and try and develop and test yourself against um, different opposition? I, I mean, I'll ask you first, Matty. I mean, you're you're definitely on the younger end of the, the age scale at the moment, but. Um, um, how have you found this competition and other cups in the past in terms of giving yourself a few more opportunities to go out and play? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, it would have been my first game for Dunfermline when I actually came in the, this cup competition with yeah. um, Inverness away. You know, it's just a great opportunity for for boys to go and test themselves against other quality teams. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. back then when we played Inverness, they had a quality team at the high end of the championship, and uh, we actually put out a young side. So. Um, no, it was a great. It's, it's a great opportunity for younger players to test themselves against other boys in the same league and the league above, or even as Kerr said, like the uh, teams from uh, other countries. So, no, it's a great opportunity, as I say. So, yeah, I take it as it comes. It really is, Matty. And uh, that day, I think the won one three 0 didn't you? Uh, I think we won two one. I think we did. All oh, right, okay, I'm totally wrong then. I th- I th- <laughs> it was two one. I thought it was three 0 but hey, we won anyway. We. Oops, yeah. I'm a Dunfermline fan, as you know. Jake's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Jake's Jake's pulling the stats out there. He's got his. Uh, <laughs> I totally thought it was three 0 honestly. Jake's got his uh, Dunfermline 2018-19 season <laughs> annual out in front of him right now. Or whatever, whatever. What these stats right into that, Jake? Uh, yeah, um, what about yourself, Ken? I mean, starting out at, at Dundee, did you ever play in this competition? Or yeah, I played for uh, Dundee B. I'm sure we got yeah. beat by. Uh, I think it was Cove Rangers we played, and that was probably my first like taste of what you'd say like men's football because mm-hmm. that's the first time I played against like a proper first team so it was it's also like a good experience and you know when we're playing against command like I'm sure their boys will be I'm sure some of them will have played first team and stuff but they'll mm-hmm. be thinking the exact same thing like they want to do well and impress because it'll probably be some of the lads' first chances to play against first teams yeah I mean, but we look at the, the football side of the of the competition on this podcast, but obviously being sponsored by the SBFL Trust, um, there's a big community as- aspect to the to the competition, and, and both clubs um, very deeply rooted in their um, communities. Matty Dunfermline, I know you you know you've been there as a as a young boy and and, and been the whole way through into the first team. But w- what does the club mean to people in in the town? Oh, it's massive. Uh, you see it throughout the, throughout the streets. Um, even on a match day, like the the fans that turn out and support the support the team, it's. It's just it's massive to what uh, the club means to people in the in the in the town. Um, you know, if success if we bring success to to the fans, more will turn out, and that's what we're hoping to do this season. So it's just it's massive. Is it is it hard to balance the kind of those aims of like doing well in the cups and getting a bit of buzz going with your league campaign? Because obviously you're ambitious with trying to get yourselves back into the into the championship. Yeah, it is, but you know, um, we we're just going to take it game by game at the moment. Um, obviously. Falkirk on Saturday and then 
we look forward to Celtic be the next uh, the weekend after in the cup. So we we'll just look at it as um, another game and we'll prepare ourselves right and we'll hopefully get through the next round. As I said, and Montrose as well, Kerr. I mean, you know, a club that maybe like five or six seasons ago were really struggling um, towards the bottom of League Two, but they're a, they're a club on the up now and. Um, how important is it for, for you to, to try and represent that community in Montrose and, and try and do the best you can in all competitions and, and see how far you can go because you've you got a lot of ambitions in, in League One of trying to get yourself in about that playoff mix as well Yeah, we've um, we've done quite well over the past few years not brilliantly but we've done decent as a team mm-hmm. um, fell at the final hurdle last year but as you said like the fans are always always behind us They always Montrose isn't a big place but they always come out in their numbers as well and the, as Marty said, the better we do, like the more fans we get and stuff. But on the whole, like it is important for them because teams like Montrose, it's the same fans. It's brilliant. It's the same fans every week. So you want to do well for them because mm. you know probably about 80-90% of the fans that actually go to all the games. So it feels a bit more personal for you and for them as well, I think. And Kerr, as um, Montrose as a part-time club, how how difficult is it to, to balance this competition and other competitions? With the league as well, um, we've got, we've actually got a really quite a big squad for being part time. I think we're up at about nineteen twenty, and everyone argues a case that they could be playing. So it's not like we've got just squad players or whatever. We've got nineteen twenty quality players. So I think it's a good opportunity. There's a lot of boys coming back for next weekend. Um, hopefully, most of them back for this weekend. But like the past few games, I think we've had seven or eight injuries. So once we get all them back, then hopefully we can really push on. And some good news uh, recently for yourself signing a new contract until uh, 2025. You're becoming a, a, a veteran of Montrose, but um, how delighted are you to be kind of securing your long-term future and, and extending your stay there? Yeah, as soon as, uh, as, soon as the gaffer like, spoke to me, spoke to me a few weeks ago about getting it done because I was out of contract in the summer, I just said yes straight away. I absolutely love it there. It's the most happiest I've been since I've been playing football. I've been at a few teams... But I just love everything about it. As you said, the community side, all the staff and everything that's there, all the boys, brilliant. And even though it'll take me to about five years, I'm not even, I think most of the squad, I'm going to say about 10, 11 players have all been there much longer than me. So yeah. it's good. Obviously, I mean, you, and your role has changed quite a lot in, in that time in terms of now you've taken on a role at the community trust as we've been um, speaking about with 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 the changing room and the, the, the mental health stuff you've been been delivering, how how important is that for you? And do you think football sort of changing a wee bit in terms of its attitudes to towards mental health in terms of on the pitch and in the dressing room? Yeah, well, um, it's hard from when I was a younger boy. It was hard to say because I'm not sure what they're like now. But I wouldn't have spoke about stuff like that when I was maybe a bit younger. But in our changing room, especially the boys are all brilliant. You can say anything you want any troubles you've got, just say it to the boys. And they're all there for each other. You obviously get the bit of, the bit of crack in that, but you get people taking the mick in that, but it's, it's still good. Um, all the boys are like behind each other together in that, so it's quite like a like a family environment, if you know what I mean. Like They're all there for each other and you can just be open. How important is that, that you're able to have these conversations in, in that environment? It's really important because some people don't feel uh, comfy speaking to like, even like close friends or family, and even though you might see some of your teammates as close friends, you don't see them every day. So it's good to just get things off your chest. I think different maybe for um, boys that are full time in that. But I feel like because we're we're part time, then we don't see each other as much in that. Then we can just all speak to each other and try and help each other through it. 
Matty, in terms of you know yourself as a, as a, a young player coming into first team environment at a full time club, other things that are put in place to help you guys talk about you know maybe how you're feeling, your mental health. Is the dressing room quite open in regards to that? Do you feel like you can go up and speak to a senior player about something if you if you needed to? What, what's the environment like at, at Dunfermline? The environment at Dunfermline is actually pretty good. Um, we've actually got our mental health officer in the in the uh, the area. You can go and speak to him whenever you want. Um, as you say, there's senior boys that that you can speak to, like like Kyle Benedictus. He's he's brilliant with everybody. Um, there's others around the place, and even the manager. You can go and speak to him if there's something up. Um, everyone at the club's connected, um, and it's great to see that if, if you're ever struggling with your mental health, that you can you can open up and speak to somebody um, easily about it. Matt, you mentioned uh, the mental health um, ambassador there, Eddie, who who um, we've also had on on the podcast. Has he helped you transition from kind of an academy player um, from going to through Fife Elite, sorry, uh, to the first team? I've personally not spoke to Eddie, but uh, he's spoken to us as a group and just says like, look, if you've ever ever got anything up, just give me a ring. I'll be I'll be there to speak to you. Um, obviously, as you say, the transition from academy football to first team football is, is massive. Um, and it, it's it's hard because you need to, obviously you're training every day you're 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 with men you're no you're no you're not playing against boys you're the same age as you anymore and you just need to, you you need to, you need to transition quick and um, and you know I think most most of the young lads that come in at Dunfermline do and they do it well but you know there, there could be a few that are struggling and they've always got somebody to talk to at Dunfermline it's it's brilliant to see. Do you think it's particularly difficult? care for, for young players coming through with all these new pressures you know you, you came through at a, a pretty big club in Scotland in, in terms of going coming through at Dundee is it is it difficult to handle that when you're first coming through and, and it takes a bit of maybe adjusting for a young guy at like 18-19 breaking into the first team it is difficult actually um, I find it quite difficult I think as you said like nowadays like the worst thing personally I find is that if see even people like if you go and check like social media after a match yeah so stuff like that, like even if you've had a good game, I say don't check it. A good game or a bad game, because good game you obviously get quite high, and all them comments get you quite high. But then you can bring you straight back down again the next week or the yeah. even midweek if you have a game. Yeah. So, I I would say that's that's an important thing. I wouldn't do that. But there's a lot of pressures now. But yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's that's why you have people in place like Eddie at Dunfermline, like yourself at at Montrose, learning these programs to try and educate not just young footballers but young people about things like social media because it can be um, quite a pressing environment and, and football obviously having a public figure it's, it, it heightens it quite a lot but um, as, a, as a young player who's only really just broken through Matt do you think that things are, are changing a wee bit in terms of attitudes to these things or, or do you think more maybe needs to be done to, to help um, guys who are coming through younger than you now? I think since, a lot, since I've came in there's a lot been changed um, obviously Eddie's Eddie's doing a lot now within the community at Dunfermline and even in, inside with the players. Um, so there, pro- there probably is a, a lot more to be done. Um, obviously, Kerr's doing it at uh, Montrose, but you know a lot more clubs could could get on it and, and help the younger players that are coming through and starting to play in men's football to help them if they're ever struggling. So, you know, at Dunfermline at the moment, I think we're doing okay, but we probably could do a wee bit more to... To help the younger lads uh, transition. Yeah, it sounds like we haven't spoken to Eddie. There's there's lots in the pipeline in Dunfermline, and yeah. um, you know, Kerstin the same at Montrose. So yeah, no, um, 
brilliant guys glad to see things are progressing on that front and uh, yeah thanks for coming on and, and good luck with your fixtures coming up in the in the third round yeah I appreciate it guys it was good to speak to you thanks, oh, man, thank you alright cheers. cheers now before we get into our predictions for the third round let's have a run through of the second round results Elgin City 3 Stenhousemuir 1 Forth Athletic 1 Kelty Hearts 2 East Fife 4 St Johnson being 0 Brecon City 1 Stirling Albion 1 Breaking City won 5-4 on penalties. Bucky Thistle won. Brora Rangers won. With Bucky Thistle winning 4-2 on penalties. Rangers B7. Dumbarton 0. East Kilbride won. And an Athletic won. With an Athletic winning 5-4 on penalties. Kilmarnock B5. East Stirlingshire 2. Celtic B3. Livingston B0. FC Edinburgh 3. Stranraer 2. Now if you're listening carefully to those, you'll already know the answer to what's coming. It's time for the SPFL Trust Football Power Prediction League. Jake and I are going head-to-head for the duration of the trophy to find out who has the best knowledge of Scottish football. <clears throat> Me. Uh, Jake was in the lead after round one and last episode we predicted how many ties would go beyond 90 minutes in the second round. Jake said two and I said three. And if you're listening to those, you'll know that the correct answer is three, meaning the score is now level. One each, Jake. Yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. I'm a bit, bit annoyed, but here we move and I'm sure I'll get the point in the next round. You sound like a manager doing a, a post-game press conference after like a difficult result and they have to like justify themselves to keep their job. I do have to justify myself <laughs> after after that, Callum. So. <laughs> um, but for round three, as I said, we're going to be predicting how many non-Scottish clubs will make it through to the fourth round. Now, in the third round, we have clubs from Northern Ireland and Wales entering the competition. We have Linfield. Cliftonville from Northern Ireland and we have the New Saints in Carnarvon Town entering from Wales. They're fixtures for you, I'll just read them out now. We have Bucky Thistle taking on Linfield, we have Clyde playing Carnarvon Town, we have Cliftonville playing Queen's Park and the New Saints welcome Dundee. So we have some some kind of interesting ties there, some ones that you, you look at and you think there's a clear favourite, some other ones you just don't know where it's going to go, you've got to kind of factor in the travel. Jake, I'm wondering... How many of the non-Scottish teams do you think are going to make it through into the fourth round when we get down to that sort of that last sixteen? Um, I'm going. I'm going to say three of the four are going to get through. I think Linfield. Uh, I think Linfield will beat Bucky. Um, obviously, they're they're doing well in their league, and you good know side. They're, they're a good side. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to say Carnarvon will beat Clyde. Carnarvon are sitting third in third in their league, and I think you know Clyde. Clyde aren't doing great this season so far. Uh, so I think. Carnarvon, obviously it'll be a long trip for them, but I think they'll they'll be up for it and, and they'll take the win there. And I also think uh, Cliftonville at home to Queen's Park will win. Another good side from Northern Ireland. Um, for Scotland, I think Dundee will travel to the New Saints on the Friday night and I think th- I think they'll get the win there. Um, been a bit of a mixed start to their season, but I'm pretty sure they'll they'll get the win there. Yeah, Dundee, good side obviously. Premiership football last season and you know, they're, they're rebuilding this season under a new manager, but it's, it's been a, a tricky start. But I think... You know, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm going to say two of the of the um, non Scottish teams are going to make it through. But I'm with you in thinking that Dundee will probably get the business done against yep. the New Saints. I think yep. they've got enough of the tank in it, and it represents a good opportunity for Dundee. I think where they have a, a cup they can potentially win, and it gives them a bit of a, a boost with their league campaign, and gives the fans a boost as well. You know, Dundee are a team that in, in recent seasons anyway, out with you know winning the championship a couple of times, they don't really get that far into competitions. Yep. So. Um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of motivation for them to try and to try and win this. Um, I also agree. I think Linfield will go up to up to Bucky despite the 
arduous trip that's going to be I mean yeah. that, that's, that's a massive massive journey for them and we know how difficult that can be but I think we've seen Linfield playing in European football this season it's it's a great tie for Bucky to have and, and I know they'll you know go into it 100% but I think Linfield just have a wee bit too much for them um, and they'll manage to get through Clyde Carnarvon Town I think that's the one where I'm looking at and thinking that's I'm not too sure I'll be honest my, my knowledge of Carnarvon Town isn't great but I, I don't know why I just I just fancy them to go to Clyde and like you say Clyde have had a bit of a tricky start to the season and even the fact that Clyde don't really have like a home at the moment as well quite difficult yeah. for them probably part of the struggles is adjusting to that new that new venue um, so I, I can see Carnarvon Town um, you know going to, to New Douglas Park and doing well where I think there might be a wee bit of a I can call it a shock maybe is I think Queen's Park are going to go over to to Northern Ireland and, and, and beat Cliftonville I, I, I don't know why um, I just think Queen's Park have had a really good start to the season yeah, in the championship yep. uh, I know Cliftonville are obviously playing at a, a good level in, in Northern Ireland's top league I mean it's not a <laughs> can't take these the, the Irish teams and the Welsh teams for you know lately they're, they're good sides um, but I just I don't know I just I just think Queen's Park have got a wee edge to them um, at the moment I think that that's just carried on from their brilliant playoff win last season they just got this confidence about them that I can see them going there and and, and finding themselves in the hat for the, for the next round. So Yeah, and we've seen them, obviously, in pre-season, travelling away and getting some, some really good results. Um, my prediction is not discounting the new Saints in, in any way, but I think, you know, obviously they're a really good team and they've played in Europe as well. We've got ex-Dunfermline striker, Dunfermline McManus, uh, firing on, on all cylinders for them. I'm not actually sure how, how good they're doing this season so far, but, you know, I just, I think Dundee will have too much for them, like you said, Premiership football last season, and despite the the travel, I think I think they'll be the Scottish team that will get through for me. So, yeah, three for me. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. And you'll know, well, you'll probably know before us if you're keeping track of this, you can look at the results. But we'll tell you next week um, yeah. how we're how we're getting on. Who can maybe nudge ahead? I've pulled it back level, so I'm I'm feeling pretty confident I can maybe pull ahead and uh, a few more rounds to go after that to decide yeah. the fate. Yeah, we'll see where where we stand at, at the end of the competition. But we get a, we've not even got a trophy. We need to get a trophy somehow, yeah. but. Anyway, that's just about all we've got time for. Now, if you want to learn more about the SPFL Trust, check out their Facebook and Twitter or visit spfltrust.org.uk forward slash trophy to learn more about the work they do and the SPFL Trust trophy itself. Following on from our discussion earlier in the show, if you are experiencing mental health problems or are concerned about someone, support is available. Visit samh.org.uk forward slash seeking dash support for more information. And for more information about today's topics and participants, you can take a look at the episode notes. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast.